Section 14 of Monsieur Lecoq, Part 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Don Evans. Monsieur Lecoq by Emile Gabriel, Part 1, Section 14. It was not to be supposed that the women who had escaped from the widow Chupin's drinking den at the moment of the murder were utterly devoid of intelligence, nor was it at all likely that these two fugitives, conscious as they were of their perilous situation, had gone straight to their real home in a vehicle hired on the public highway. Hence the driver's hope of finding them in the Rue de Bourgogne was purely chimerical. Lecoq was fully aware of this, and yet he did not hesitate to jump on to the box and give the signal for starting. In so doing, he obeyed a maxim which he had framed in his early days of meditation, a maxim intended to assure his after-fame, and which ran as follows. Always suspect that which seems probable, and begin by believing what appears incredible. As soon as the vehicle was well under way, the young detective proceeded to ingratiate himself into the driver's good graces, being anxious to obtain all the information that this worthy was able to impart. In a tone that implied that all trifling would be useless, the cabman cried, Hey up! Hey up, cocotte! and his mare pricked up her ears and quickened her pace, so that the Rue de Choisy was speedily reached. Then it was that Lecoq resumed his inquiries. "'Well, my good fellow,' he began, "'you have told me the principal facts. Now I should like the details. How did these two women attract your attention?' oh it was very simple i had been having a most unfortunate day six hours on a stand on the boulevard with the rain pouring all the time it was simply awful at midnight i had not made more than a franc and a half for myself but i was so wet and miserable and the horse seemed so done up that i decided to go home i did grumble i can tell you well, I had just passed the corner of the Rue Picard in the Rue de Chavalleret when I saw two women standing under a lamp, some little distance off. I did not pay any attention to them, for when a man is as old as I am, women— Go on, said Lecoq, who could not restrain his impatience. I had already passed them when they began to call after me. I pretended I did not hear them, but one of them ran after the cab, crying, A Louis! A Louis for yourself! I hesitated for a moment, when the woman added, And ten francs for the fare! I then drew up. Lecoq was boiling over with impatience, but he felt that the wisest course was not to interrupt the driver with questions, but to listen to all he had to say. "'As you may suppose,' continued the coachman, "'I wasn't inclined to trust two such suspicious characters, "'alone at that hour and in that part of the city. "'So, just as they were about to get into the cab, "'I called to them. 
"'Wait a bit, my little friends. You have promised Papa some sous. Where are they?' The one who had called after the cab at once handed me thirty francs, saying, "'Above all, make haste!' "'Your recital could not be more minute,' exclaimed Lecoq approvingly. "'Now, how about these two women?' "'What do you mean?' i mean what kind of women did they seem to be what did you take them for no for nothing very good replied the driver with a knowing smile ah and how were they dressed like most of the girls who go to dance at the rainbow one of them however was very neat and prim while the other well she was a terrible dowdy which ran after you the girl who was neatly dressed the one who the driver suddenly paused. Some vivid remembrance passed through his brain, and abruptly jerking the reins, he brought his horse to a standstill. Thunder! he exclaimed. Now I think of it, I did notice something strange. One of the two women called the other Madame, as large as life, while the other said thee and thou, and spoke as if she were somebody. Oh, 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 exclaimed the young detective in three different keys. And which was it that said, thee and thou? Why, the dowdy one. She with shabby dress and shoes as big as a gouty man's. You should have seen her shake the prim-looking girl as if she had been a palm tree. You little fool, said she, do you want to ruin us? You will have time to faint when we get home. Now, come along. And then she began to sob. Indeed, madame, indeed I can't, she said, and really she seemed quite unable to move. In fact, she appeared to be so ill that I said to myself, here is a young woman who has drunk more than is good for her. These facts confirmed, even if they corrected, Lecoq's first suppositions. As he had suspected, the social position of the two women was not the same. He had been mistaken, however, in attributing the higher standing to the woman wearing the shoes with the high heels, the marks of which he had so particularly noticed in the snow, with all the attendant signs of precipitation, terror, and weakness. In reality, Social preeminence belonged to the woman who had left the large, broad footprints behind her. And not merely was she of a superior rank, but she had also shown superior energy. Contrary to Lecoq's original idea, it now seemed evident that she was the mistress and her companion the servant. "'Is that all, my good fellow?' he asked the driver who during the last few minutes had been busy with his horses. Yes, replied the cabman, except that I noticed that the shabbily dressed woman who paid me had a hand as small as a child's, and in spite of her anger her voice was as sweet as music. Did you see her face? I just caught a glimpse of it. Could you tell me if she were pretty, or whether she was a blonde or brunette? So many questions at a time confused the driver. Stop a minute, he replied. In my opinion, she wasn't pretty, and I don't believe she was young. 
but she certainly was a blonde and with plenty of hair too was she tall or short stout or slender between the two this was very vague and the other asked lecoq the neatly dressed one the deuce as for her i did not notice her at all all i know about her is that she was very small would you recognize her if you met her again good heavens no the vehicle was now rolling along the rue de bourgogne halfway down the street the driver pulled up and turning to lecoq exclaimed here we are that's the house the hussies went into to draw off the silk handkerchief that served him as a muffler to fold it and slip it into his pocket to spring to the ground and enter the house indicated was only the work of an instant for the young detective in the concierge little room he found an old woman knitting lecoq bowed to her politely and displaying the silk handkerchief exclaimed madam i have come to return this article to one of your lodgers to which one really i don't exactly know in a moment the worthy dame imagined that this polite young man was making fun of her you scamp she began excuse me interrupted lecoq allow me to finish i must tell you that at about three o'clock in the morning of the day before yesterday i was quietly returning home when two ladies who were seemingly in a great hurry overtook me and passed on one of them dropped this handkerchief which i picked up i hastened after her to restore it but before i could overtake them they had rung the bell at your door and were already in the house i did not like to ring at such an unearthly hour for fear of disturbing you yesterday i was so busy i couldn't come however here i am at last and here's the handkerchief so saying the cock laid the handkerchief on the table and turned as if to go when the concierge detained him many thanks for your kindness said she but you can keep it we have no ladies in this house who are in the habit of coming home alone after midnight still i have eyes insisted lecoq and i certainly saw ah i had forgotten exclaimed the old woman the night you speak of someone certainly did ring the bell here i pulled the string that opens the door and listened but not hearing anyone close the door or come upstairs i said to myself some mischievous fellow has been playing a trick on me i slipped on my dress and went out into the hall where i saw two women hastening toward the door before i could reach them they slammed the door in my face i opened it again as quickly as i could and looked out into the street but they were hurrying away as fast as they could in what direction oh they were running toward the rue de varin lecoq was baffled again however he bowed civilly to the concierge whom he might possibly have need of at another time and then went back to the cab as i had supposed they do not live here he remarked to the driver the latter shrugged his shoulders in evident vexation, which would inevitably have vent in a torrent of words if Lecoq, who had consulted his watch, had not forestalled the outburst by saying, Nine o'clock! I am an hour behind time already. Still, I shall have some news to tell. Now, 
Take me to the morgue as quickly as possible. End of section 14 Recording by Don Evans www.donmevans.com